It's been just over 50 years since the Official Languages Act came into effect in Canada. The aim? To protect and enhance Canada's linguistic duality. But can it be improved? Hello and welcome to Unpublished TV. I'm Ann Hand. We're coming to you from a remote location and practicing physical distancing to enhance safety. The federal government's announced plans to modernize the Official Languages Act, with some headlines complaining the use of French is on the decline in Quebec. That usually leads us to the inevitable hand-wringing over language in this country. The Quebec provincial government has pointed to an anecdotal study in Le Journal de Montréal, which found almost half the businesses in downtown Montreal addressed customers in English. Language is a provincial jurisdiction in Canada, but Quebec is asking for federally regulated businesses in that province to use French. And while it may appear that French is receding a bit in Quebec, it's not necessarily due to more Anglophones, as their percentage is declining as well. A number of factors are at play here. The language of technology is English. The language of business is English. Immigration would usually get the finger of blame, but when you look at the Quebec government's numbers, it finds that of new Canadians settling in Quebec, 75% speak French along with their mother tongue. So our unpublished vote question asks, do you feel the use of French is in decline in Quebec? 39.8% uh, said yes, 52.52% uh, said no, and 8.2% were unsure. Now, however you're watching and listening to our show, whether through our social media channels on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, or podcast channels, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and more, I'd like to remind you, you can still cast your vote on this topic at unpublished.vote and then email your MP to tell them why. Now, joining us to discuss the modernization of the Officials Languages Act is Patrick Noyes, the Vice President of FCFA. Colin Standish, the founder of Language Call Equality. Uh, Brent Tyler is a lawyer with the firm Bertrand Delaurier. And Eva Ludwig is the executive uh, on the executive Quebec Community Groups Network. And the Quebec representative was the Quebec rep representative for the Office of the Commissioner of Official Languages. And we'll just, uh, with the, all four of you, we'll just sort of tackle our first question there. And do you feel the use of the French language is in decline in Quebec. And Brent, we'll start with you first. Well, you when, if you're gonna base it on anecdotal evidence of some 30 businesses uh, and what language they use to greet their customers, uh, I mean, that is such a, a, a flimsy basis to make any sort of conclusion on. When you look at the stats, the only negative trend with respect to the French language in the province of Quebec is the decline of the percentage of francophones on the island of Montreal. And, and, and there are two reasons for that. Immigrants install themselves normally in Montreal. The other reason is that young francophones are moving to the suburbs because it's cheaper and they pay less taxes. Uh, that phenomenon, I don't see how, could ever be legislated against, but that is what's causing the decline. Now, in terms of absolute numbers, absolute numbers of francophones are actually increasing on the island of Montreal, and of course, everywhere, everywhere in Quebec. But literally, the only factor that is in a, a negative trend for the French language in Quebec is the decline of the percentage of francophones on the island of Montreal. When you look at every other indicator, it's either neutral or positive in favor of French. So what we have here, Ed, is the big lie. The big lie. The big lie which says that uh, the, the French language is in decline in Quebec. It is not on any scientifically defensible basis uh, in decline in the, in the manner in which we hear talking about in the debate 
All right. Okay, Brent. Uh, let's move on to Patrick now. Patrick, fifty-two percent of our uh, our viewers and listeners feel that no, the uh, the, the use of French language is uh, in decline in Quebec. Uh, from the FCA FCFA position, uh, do you agree with that or no? Um, well, it, it all depends. Again, mm -hmm. of course, I don't disagree with with Brent on on, on the statistics, um, and I'm fully aware of them. Um, anecdotal evidence is, uh, of course, if you if you just base uh, uh, such a, um, a a position on on a few uh, on a few. Um, not interviews, but a few interactions with a few businesses in downtown Montreal. It might not get give a full picture of the actual uh, of what's happening on the ground. But at the same time, uh, I, you know, anecdotally, again, I, I'm originally from Quebec. I'm actually from a, a, an exo exogamous uh, uh, family. So my mom is an Anglo-Quebecer, and my dad is a francophone from Quebec. Uh, and um, so I, I see the two sides of the story. I have all my life from the francophone side of my family, the anglophone side of my family. So it depends who you talk to. So for 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 people like me, I don't you know it doesn't really matter um, you know um, whether you know I interact in English or in French anywhere I go. But but for other people, uh, for example, my my francophone side of the family or some of my friends I went to school with, it is a little bit uh, at the very least it's an annoyance. You know they they expect within the province, not if they go to Toronto or or, or Vancouver, but at least in Quebec and Montreal they expect that. Uh, at the very basic level, they can have an interaction with 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 employees uh, uh, in a business, whether it's you know buying shoes or and whatnot. So um, the other thing is, I, I've noticed personally as well that uh, the the level of English of, of of my francophone friends in Quebec has increased. Uh, tremendously in the last 20 years. And I've been asking myself, well, why that is, you know, it's, they still live, you know, in La Nazière region or in the Bois Franc or in the Beauce. And, uh, and the answer is often, uh, you know, the, the, the technology, the Netflix and the internet, and the, uh, now you have access to news from all over the world, which is a great thing. And people are embracing it, but certainly uh, there's a lot more access to English, which is not a bad thing, but uh, it, it just means that the, uh, I guess, um, uh, you know, society uh, needs to adapt a little bit uh, just to make sure that it doesn't go from an opportunity uh, to, to, you know, um, to, to preventing certain, uh, you know, individuals from, from learning the, the, the French language when they, they reside in Quebec, you know, and I, I, I oftentimes these, these individuals in downtown Montreal um, are probably students from all over the world, you know, they're attracted by uh, McGill, Concordia, the business school, the, 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 the great lifestyle in Montreal. So it's, a, it's nothing against, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, students who come to Montreal, I think Quebecers want to be welcoming and they, they, they love Montreal for, for, for what what it is, but but at the very least, you know, being able to to uh, to be able to sell shoes <laughs> to, to customers in French, I think, is is the minimum. All right, uh, Eva. That, as I mentioned, almost forty percent of our uh, viewers uh, listeners feel that uh, French is on the decline in Quebec. Do you feel it is? You know, I I would agree with the other panelists. It depends on what statistics you yeah. look at. First of all, I want to just point out to Patrick that. Uh, you know, I agree with him. I celebrate the fact that I'm bilingual. I celebrate the fact that I can speak both languages, but it doesn't take anything away from me, the fact that I speak both. And I think that is where we really have to be, you know, uh, smart about this, this whole thing. Uh, the other thing is, how do you define a francophone? You have your immigrants coming in 
Montreal in particular, they tend to settle in Montreal. And as Brent mentioned, the statistics for Anglophones, the historic Anglophones has declined in long, as, as some people like to call them, have, have declined. So the uh, new immigrants, and this has been going on since uh, the uh, Charte de la langue française was introduced, they are obligated to send their children to French schools, the children learn French. Um, uh, the big issue seems to be, I think, that perhaps the decline of the language at home. And that is really not relevant, I would think, to the, uh, to the actual strength of the French language in Quebec. It is not what you speak at home. It's when you step outside of your home. You work in French. You, you, you interact in French. Uh, and I think that we should not be mixing up the fact that somebody is not necessarily uh, born as a francophone or, or identifies as their mother tongue as, as French as an indicator of decline of the health of French in Quebec. Uh, Colin, did you want to weigh in on that? Like, let's start with our poll question first. 52% feel uh, the Quebec, uh, the French language is not in decline. Do you feel that way too as well? Uh, yes, I do. And, and to reiterate what a lot of the columnists said, particularly uh, what Brent Tyler was saying earlier, is that there is one unassail unassailable myth in that underpines much of Quebec nationalism and language policy in this country is that Quebec, uh, that French language is threatened within Quebec and the rest of Canada. And really, the, socio the statistics show that this is not the case um, and, and any attributable um, uh, lessening of, of the Francophone population is generally attributed to immigration, uh, allophones coming generally to the island of Montreal, or the greater, greater Montreal area. And I think one thing as well to talk about in regards to language is socioeconomic statistics. We're talking just about numbers of Francophones. And I think as Ava touched upon, you know, there's different stats, there's mother tongue, there's home language and work language, and also first official language spoken. So it's really important, um, particularly for the English speaking Quebec, if you look at mother tongue in regards to statistics, there's about 600,000. Um, if you look at, uh, at first official language spoken, it's about 1.1 million. And if you go up to home and work and people that live most of their lives in English, it's about 1.3 million in Quebec. So these are very different numbers. And of course, if you base um, you know, uh, funding for hospitals and other institutions, et cetera, upon them, you can get very, very different funding formulas and supports for the community. Um, and generally, first official language spoken is, is the most relevant to assessing whether the, you know, the, the, the vibrancy of the community. Um, but just to touch upon what I was speaking about before, socioeconomic statistics, I think that's a big part of it. And one thing that another unassailable myth is that, that Anglophones in Quebec are this privileged elite that were Westmount Rhodesians, et cetera. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and if you actually look at the stats that uh, on a, on a, a median income level that Anglophones in Quebec earn about $2,000 less than a Francophone with the same age and education. If you look also at the statistics, 40% of Anglophones earn less than $20,000 a year versus 32% of Francophones can say the same. And as well, Anglophones are actually very highly educated. 30% of Anglophones have university degrees versus 20% of or Francophones. And as well, um, Anglophones are more in the labor market by 1%, yet we have about 25% more unemployment. So really, when you look at these statistics, you see a very vulnerable community in English-speaking Quebec. Um, and I think that's one thing that we need to really think about and look at is the socioeconomic statistics as well. All right. Now, Eva, um, the country has aimed for bilingualism for more than 50 years. Can it be achieved when a language is a provincial jurisdiction? I, I think that is one of our uh, one of certainly the one of the issues that QCGN is looking at and, and, and a very uh, uncomfortable with the direction that the, our Canadian, our federal government is going with 
uh, with the, the ch proposed changes to the Official Languages Act and the paper that the white paper that Minister Jolie has brought out. Um, what is being introduced is really changing the dynamics between the English and French speaking people in this country and changing a pillar of Canadian society, which has been a pillar of Canadian society uh, and, and has, been bought, uh, has been accepted both by newcomers throughout Canada, as well as the, the, the rest of, of Canadians as an important Canadian value where we are uh, two, we have two official languages, English and French on an equal basis. Now I understand that there are issues with related to, and, uh, to the vulnerability of the Fran our Francophone uh, communities outside Quebec. Yes, absolutely. And they need support. But by changing the fundamentals of, of the relationship between the two language communities on a federal level, I think it's a betrayal to the English speaking community of Quebec. What it has done is really relegated the English language and the English speaking minority in Quebec just by the way it is, the direction the white paper has, has taken to a lesser status. And that is not what the official languages was about. That is not what the country has brought into, nor what it has celebrated. Well said, Eva. Uh, Patrick, I, I, can you have language equality in Canada uh, as bilingualism was aiming to do when you don't really have that in Quebec? Can you do that? Uh, well, what, what do you mean you, you don't really have that in Quebec? Um, well, I think Bill 101 <laughs> kind of tells you you don't have language equality in Quebec. Now, and, I, and I also have to tell you the, the, the direction that this go federal government is going with the changes to the Official Languages Act right now will also be changing that equality because right now on a federal level for all for the federal government and I worked for it in Quebec, uh, we had two official languages on equal level. You had the same rights, the same obligations to serve the public, et cetera. But by introducing the notion that in businesses that are not under the federal undertakings, not under the Official Languages Act, will now only French will be protected. It changes totally the dynamics and it changes what the official languages is about. Okay, uh, Patrick. I, yes. So you I jump I, in there. Yeah, I completely uh, understand the concerns of uh, of our mm. friends, uh, you know, from from the English community or communities in Quebec. Um, absolutely, as I said, uh, my family is part of it, uh, half of it. Um, so, uh, but in terms of language equality. Um, you know, I know it, it. People bring up Bill 101 uh, all the time for Quebec, and and uh, and it was a concern when it uh, when it was uh, you know, when the bill came uh, into law. Uh, I guess mm -hmm. about 40 years ago now, and it remains a concern today. Every time there's talk about uh, you know modernizing it, um, but at the same time, in in other provinces across Canada, the same situation applies. I mean, um, Alberta, Saskatchewan, um, you know, during the constitutional talks of the uh, 80s and early 90s. They, 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 you know, did the same thing. They legislated and they made English the, the sole official languages uh, or, or language in their in their in their, uh, in their province. Uh, mm -hmm. Even though uh, in practice, it's not like they were uh, they were uh, really um, funding or helping the francophone communities to begin with. Um, so, 
I'm not so sure that it's fair to say that uh, you know it's only in Quebec that uh, that uh, the uh, the uh, minority language is 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 being. Um, uh, you know, uh, what's I know, I know where you're going. Yeah. You know, you're, not, you know not, Patrick, not, Patrick, you're sorry. Absolutely, you're absolutely yeah. right. Having worked in this for 20 years in the past, I know the difficulties that our uh, Francophone colleagues outside Quebec experience. What I think is that the changes on the federal level will also be, I think, in the long term, perhaps not in the short term, but in long term, will also be to the detriment of the Francophone communities because it will territorialize federal legislation. That means any province can bring in any legislation related and, and diminishing the rights of, of, the, uh, of the Francophone communities themselves it will right now you mentioned some of the things that happened but there have been a lot of things a lot of court decisions based on federal protection that have been to the advantage of the francophone communities i'm only thinking about the mahe decision about education in manitoba and there have been others recently in british columbia as well and and we in the english speaking community have supported these because we understand the need to support all minority language communities because we are all vulnerable. And I think once we start tampering, what I call opening the Pandora box on the federal level, territorializing language, there is a danger for all minority language communities, not just the English speaking community. Yes. Uh, sorry, if I okay. if I may just uh, yes, I I understand. Um, uh, that said, uh, I, I'm sure there were similar conversations when when the Official Languages Act uh, was uh, you know again became in law in, in what 1969. Um, you know th those are major moves. Uh, certainly, there are lots and lots of things to consider. Uh, I'm sure the federal government is looking into all aspects of the uh, of the elements that are included in the white paper, um, and and certainly we'll we'll see what the uh, you know. The, the bill will end up looking like. Um, but the, the the reality on the ground, though, despite all the progress that was made after the Official Languages Act was implemented, uh, it, in the last 20 years, we've seen a bit of a stall, I guess, uh, on the ground in terms of, of, of uh, you know, the way things are, you know, uh, yeah. how things are funded. Just look at post-secondary education, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm the product of, uh, of, uh, of Bishop's University in Quebec, and it's a small university. It's outside of Montreal. I've seen millions and millions of dollars being funneled to, to the campus for, for renovations uh, on the sports center, the library, a new community center for indigenous uh, students. And that's just in the last five or 10 years. Meanwhile, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, French universities outside of Quebec got even, you know, combine the, the kind of money that bishops received. So it's on the ground, uh, you know, it, it, I'm not sure that the equality is there, even though it is in the legislation. So that's, I guess that's what we hope that this modernization will, will achieve is to try to, uh, you know, restore um, more balance on the ground. So it's not about, 
it's not, it's not about, you know, no one in the FCFA or in Francophone communities outside of Quebec wants uh, any rights diminished anywhere, you know, uh, including in Quebec for Anglo communities. Uh, no one wants to see, you know, the, the institutions in Quebec to be, uh, uh, to be torn apart. Uh, not at all. I think it's really just, you know, we're, we're a, a bit envious <laughs> of, mm -hmm. of all the, uh, the facilities and all of the services uh, in pa Quebec. Pa Patrick, you know, uh, uh, I, I agree with you that there has not been enough done by the federal government to support the, the minority language communities, including the English speaking community. And whatever institutions the, the English speaking community has, has been built by the community without government support and is trying to hang on to them. Where I understand the Francophone community is building institutions and has not been receiving sufficient uh, support. The problem is here, and, and we support you, we agree with you that there needs to be more support for that. The problem here is that you don't need to change the Official Languages Act, but in order to do that, what you need to do is in the implementation of the Official Languages Act. And that has been the problem. Now, I agree, we need modernization. There are many new things in the world. What I'm saying is to change the dynamics, the relationship between the two languages. Now, I don't want to be the one to hog the, uh, the space. I'll, I'll, obviously, I'm very passionate about this and I'm also familiar with my colleagues outside Quebec. All right, uh, and, and I, I thank, I really appreciate your passion, Eva and, and Patrick as well. Colin. Uh, the public service. Uh, now, there's an interesting report out in the last couple of days on the malaise of, of French in the federal public service. Francophones won't use French because they'll feel they'll be considered troublemakers if they do it. And Anglophones won't use their French because they don't feel confident in that. So how do you fix it? Yeah, no, I, I'm not sure if I've seen uh, that particular report, but obviously uh, bilingualism in the public service is of critical importance and it, it is touched upon in the new white paper. Um, yeah, uh, um, in that regards, you know, both individuals, English speakers in Quebec and, and obviously in our, in our national capital region in Ottawa should be assured to be able to speak English in the, or work in the language of their choice, just as Francophones throughout the country should be and, and to use it in Ottawa. But yes, I think there are, there are issues, you know, I've seen reports that are disconcerting that, you know, if it's a majority Anglophone interview, perhaps like today, that, that it becomes sort of English only and Francophones feel marginalized. In, in certain meetings as well with reports even done in during COVID during the crisis that a lot of things coming out of the, I think the Privy Council office and other central uh, bureaucratic hubs within Ottawa have been within English only. And I think that's, that's really is problematic. Um, so, in, but I did want to take it back a little bit. I know what Ava mm -hmm. and Patrick were, were talking about. So um, I just wanted to, to weigh in a little bit on the white paper, which I think is the focus of what we're talking about. I totally agree with what Ava is saying. It's a fundamental revision of the, of the baseline of official languages in the country, what's being proposed federally, that formal legal equality between English and French should be the baseline and then building forward from there. And that's been the federal policies for 50 years now. And it's a substantive revision of that, what they're proposing at the federal level, that they're going to have asymmetry in the preamble and the interpretive clauses of the act that French is inherently a marginalized language and all our rights and freedoms regarding language will be interpreted through this minoritization of French. Um, while it's important to take into account French unique status, but this changes the way we interpret the act completely. And as well, if you look at the substantive aspects of the white paper, that they really aren't reciprocal. There's a lot of, it's a great French language services act in regards to substantive equality for Francophones throughout the country. And, and I approve of, of most of the parts of the act, but it really doesn't translate for anything for English speaking Quebecers. And I find that 
uh, a quite a, a large miss on, on the regards of the federal government. And particularly there's uh, uh, regards to labor markets in Quebec that is protecting the work uh, the right to work only in French, but there's no reciprocal right for English. And they're creating, um, they have two bizarre things, I think, in the white paper. They're actually, uh, they just struck about a week ago, a committee of experts, so six people to get together to define what this will actually look like, this new federal labor markets. And I find it very bizarre. This is undemocratic. It's not even approved by our legislature federally. Um, no order in council that I found uh, um, uh, allowing this. So it's really a very strange new institution that's going to be defining federal labor markets. And at the same time as well, that they're having proposed for new French regions, but there's no reciprocal right for, let's say, to work in English in the West Island or in the Eastern townships. So there's some really things that we should be very careful about. It's a restructuring of the fundamentals of our federal uh, federal language policy, and it's going to have very, I think, detrimental effects on uh, certainly English-speaking Quebec, but I think throughout the country, I think it was touched upon earlier in the debate, is that once again, while there is French preferential policies in this new white paper, that the pendulum can swing the other way. It could easily go to English in 10 or 20 years time. And that would be, I think should be of deep concern to Francophone minorities throughout the country of, you know, it might be good today, but what's what's good tomorrow? That, that common cause that Eva touched upon in court cases where official language minorities generally help each other out and weigh in on, on the subject matter and intervene to protect each other. Um, I, I think we need to do so and really look at this white paper and say, okay, there's some good aspects, but there's some really detrimental things to the future of bilingualism in, in Canada as a whole. Uh, Brent, when we when we talk about the uh, the public service, I, I wonder does does it need to reflect the population it serves? And, and the reason I, I bring that up is I remember last week talking with uh, with uh, Kevin Shar uh, about this and how underrepresented Anglo. Uh, Quebecers are in the provincial and federal public service. So is there is there anything in the public service that says you have to reflect the, the population or it's just whatever the skills are required? Well, there, there is a provision in the Official Languages Act now, um, and it, it, it doesn't have much teeth, but it's somewhat symbolic. The idea is that you should have equitable participation of the official language minority community in the federal public service. Um, and that, of course, has never been the case. The federal public service is woefully, uh, you know, the percentage of Anglophone workers is, is pitiful. Uh, there's actually an obligation uh, to have at least close to the percentage that Anglophones have in the population as a whole. It's never been the case. Uh, and of course, uh, it, to correct a problem that is, that is so entrenched um, would be, you know, like steering a, uh, an aircraft carrier. I, I mean, I, I cannot see uh, how it can be short of some sort of affirmative action program where the, the federal uh, government in, in, in Quebec made a concerted effort to hire more Anglophones and, and, and be public about it and say uh, the percentage of English speaking people in the federal public service is woefully inadequate, substandard, has to be increased. Uh, you know, let's do something about it. But the reason why that hasn't happened and it will is unlikely to happen, and this is just a political reality that we all have to face, the English speaking minority in Quebec is electorally insignificant. We, we do not influence in any significant way, any level of government uh, because of our numbers. And so the, the, the tendency will always be to, to cater soft nationalist voter sentiment in Quebec rather than uh, cater to the legitimate interests of the English-speaking community. That's a political reality, not about to change uh, anytime soon. 
Patrick, uh, you would uh, mention, or the FCFA had mentioned it uh, in terms of uh, improving uh, French in Canada, universal access to second language training. Uh, that'd be a pretty expensive endeavor, would it not? Um, yes, uh, it would be. Um, but, uh, you know, Quebec does it very well. I mean, uh, every student uh, can can start studying in English, at least in the, you know, uh, uh, Francophone students can start studying in English. At, when I was in school, grade four, I think it's before that now, I think it doesn't it start until or at grade one, even nowadays, or at least that was an objective of the government a few years ago. So uh, certainly the province of Quebec does it, it gives the opportunity to both Francophones and Anglophones to learn the other official languages from a very early uh, age. Uh, uh, the problem is in the other provinces, there's not that same commitment. Uh, I, I, I have uh, friends uh, when I worked in Alberta who, who kept telling me, oh, you know, I wish I could work for the public service, uh, the federal public service in Ottawa, but you have to be bilingual. But the problem is I never had an opportunity to learn French, you know, because here in Alberta, there's limited opportunities to do so, which is fair because not every school offers French as second language. And when they yeah. do, oftentimes it's limited. Um, and um, so absolutely, it's an expensive thing to do. But, uh, uh, you know, education is a, a provincial jurisdiction. Some provinces uh, think it's important and do well in this regard. And unfortunately, other provinces don't. So what should the federal government do in this? regard is, is you know, uh, other than funding, it's hard to see, you know, and promoting the, the, the official languages, it's hard to see uh, how much else they, you know, they can do. And certainly that's one of the, the provisions or not provisions, but one of the elements that's in the in the white paper, you know, uh, uh, increase the promotion of, of, of the official languages, uh, and, uh, and certainly a French uh, across Canada, uh, whether funding will be attached to that uh, for French immersion programs and, 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 uh, and programs of that sort, we'll see. But um, but yes, it's just it's you know it's 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 a choice that we have to make as a as a as a society, uh, you know, in this country. Do we do we want to be bilingual or not? And if that decision was made, you know, 50 years ago, at least on the federal level, so then we have to give the resources to to, to people to be at least have the opportunity to learn it, and then. And then it's up to them what their career choices will be. You know, uh, I know people who studied English in Quebec and then, you know, went to university in French and found a job in French in the Beauce and in Quebec City and in Joliet. And, and they don't use English much other than traveling or Netflix. And uh, I know, you know, Anglophones in, in British Columbia who do the same, you know, on the English mm -hmm. side. And that's that's fine. That's fair. But if you have as part of your career goals, you know, to, to maybe work one day for the federal public service, especially if you aim to work in, in Ottawa or other areas where there's a large francophone population then i think it's 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 you know they, they should uh, have the ambition to, to to seek you know the training and the governments should have the 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 should have the incentives provided to them to be able to do so uh you know or, or at least have the services available uh, more widely than they are right now so yeah okay now you, I you know uh, i am um, being an optimist uh, i would like to see all of us become bilingual, absolutely. And I just want to point out that funds can, federal funds can be used for this and are being used. This transfer of significant dollars to Quebec to support the French and English immersion, whatever, or teaching of the second language in Quebec. That can certainly go to the other provinces as well. And, it, and the other thing is the, the Canadian government does support 
French immersion, an extremely popular element across the country. There's always waiting lists. Problem is there's not enough uh, infrastructure, not enough teachers. These are things where the federal government by using the Official Languages Act can and should be doing. All right, uh, Colin, one, uh, one last point I wanted to bring up with you. Supreme Court judges to be bilingual. Uh, in, in terms of your organization, do you see a problem with that? Do we have translation services that are enough or do, they, do some of them miss the nuance of the language? Yeah, so that, that's a big aspect of the new white paper. And it's been something that's that's been a, a debate in the in Parliament for, for many years. The NDP and Bloc have proposed it many times. I think it's a very dangerous and unconstitutional idea. Um, firstly, modifications to Supreme Court were constitutionalized in 1982. So really tinkering with it. And we saw that in uh, 2013, 2014, when, uh, when Har the Harper Conservatives appointed Justice Nadeau from Quebec, he was actually kicked off the bench. Um, and that was a quite significant ruling. Um, and so regards to um, changing or modifying significant aspects or uh, the selection or composition of the Supreme Court of Canada, you really can't do that without a constitutional amendment. So that's from the 1982 constitution. And so even having bilingualism for Supreme Court justices, it sounds like a great idea to make sure that you wouldn't need translators to make sure that we're, we're having a bilingualism at the highest court in the country. It sounds like a really great idea, but once again, the structures would say it's, you know, it is unconstitutional given the framework we have for changes in the country. So I'm someone who believes that there are other law professors and scholars who believe it as well. And I, I think if it does go forward, you could see the invalidation of a Supreme Court justice if they do start imposing bilingualism, not just making it something they're looking for, but actually making it imposition. And then secondly, um, while it sounds like a good idea, I think once again, it limits the talent pool significantly um, to very few, but there are very few bi perfectly bilingual jurists outside of admittedly Quebec, where we do, despite what we say in regards of Quebec being an officially French province, that we are officially English and French in our courts, in our legislature, in our laws. Um, and so jurists would have some sort of baseline of English and French. And there's only one school, McGill, that teaches both English and French, civil and common law at the same time. So I think it would make it a very elite and narrow pool um, to select from. And it would be discriminatory towards people of color and Indigenous people who have lower rates of bilingualism throughout the country than relatively privileged Euro uh, people of European descent who attend those institutions. And then thirdly, there's another point that I think Brent touched upon or, uh, in, the, in, in, in the conversation perhaps before we were recording, but as well, it puts a constraint on the prime minister in regards who they can select. So that's a very big part of, uh, of, of selection for the Supreme Court and even the Senate. And they've ruled upon that in regards to the Senate is you can't really put constraints, legislative constraints on what the prime minister can, uh, who they can select. So you can have different processes to make recommendations, but you really can't constrain who they can select if you don't go through the constitutional amendment. So once again, unconstitutional in my mind, and also would be very poor public policy. All right. Well, uh, folks, uh, a great discussion. Once again, I want to thank you all for joining us. Our panel on Unpublished TV, Patrick No is the vice president of FCFA. Colin Standish is the founder of languageequality.ca. Uh, Eva Ludwig is, is the on the executive of the Quebec Community Groups Network as well. The former Quebec representative of the Office of the Commissioner of Official Languages. And Brent Tyler is a lawyer with the firm Bertrand Delaurier. Coming up on the next Unpublished TV, will vaccine passports be the key to reopening the border and the economy? Hope you can join us. Thanks for watching Unpublished TV. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.